0: Are you recording now? <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. Alright, we're back. After we're, a week hiatus. We're back. I've been here the whole time. Okay, well, I don't mean to brag, but I was in Miami, so...
1: Well, I swam in my Walmart pool. Oh. One day the chlorine shortage hasn't affected you no 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 our pool's so tiny one tab of chlorine is almost too much <laughs> <laughs> but look it gets the job done it gives you a little call co- it gives you a little coolness you know you can get a little tan i didn't get sunburn praise praise the lord Well, I came, I came back from Miami
0: sunburnt because it was so overcast that, you know, you burn faster in the overcast sun. Um, But then I had a a one strap bathing suit on. So when I got back to North Carolina, I had to use a different bathing suit and tan so I could even out this weird
1: uh, tan. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm using that gradual tanning lotion, so I'm about to look golden like a piece of fried chicken here Def- in about a couple weeks. <laughs> Definitely not orange like snooky from the Jersey Shore. No, um, I was trying to get something that wasn't going to just go crazy. Back in high school, uh, before I discovered the art of a spray tan, my mother would buy me that, uh, you know, the self-tanner. Lord have mercy. It's so embarrassing. You go to school the day, because I would always do it on Thursday night, because I did it for dance competitions on Saturdays and Sundays. I go to school Friday. I am looking crusty as hell you know in between your fingers fucking lined in brown your feet look nasty everybody's making fun of you and here i am looking like i don't even know You look a, a dorito <laughs> a dorito
0: yeah i definitely used the neutrogena self-tanning cream in high school and uh i looked orange i looked pretty orange but you know what it's better than being just pasty, pasty white like I am. Although I was yeah. told today by an elderly woman at work that I have porcelain skin. And I'm like, kind of creepy the way you worded that. but I will take this as a compliment.
1: Thank you. Hey, I feel like I have porcelain skin. If we lived back in like the, uh, you know, 1700s, people would think we're rich as fuck because I'm chubby and porcelain. Take that. Yeah, we would just be, like, they would just, oh my goodness, they'd be like, these
0: are ladies of the Duke and Duchess, blah, 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 you know, the Duke of blah, 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 and they gorge themselves because they have so much money. They've been <laughs> eating the cake that Marie Antoinette has talked so much about.
1: Hell yeah. Get McDonald's brought in by the barrel. You know. Old McDonald that lived down the street. (laughs) And barrels of ale. Oh, but this is not a late eighteen hundreds fanfic podcast.
0: No. We will not be Uh, LARPing in this
1: part in this podcast. No. This is a podcast called This Is Gonna Sound Weird. Uh, Yeah. I'm Taylor. And I'm Sydney, and every week
0: we talk about all things true crime, paranormal, and everything in between, and each week we have a different theme, and this week's theme is... Florida
1: Man Slaughters. Florida Man Slaughters. It's a play on words. Are you cracking open a a beer? No. It's a crisp bottle of water. (laughs) I'm sure. <laughs> Look, I'm be honest. Uh, I haven't felt like drinking, like, all week. I've just been kind of like, not all week, but you know, like, on the weekends, you want to drink. This weekend, I was like, Ugh, I got a new book, and so I really just want to read the book, and I can't read while I drink. So. And the new book is a very old, is an old book. So, it's Carrie. Oh, that's a good book. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would, now, did you buy that? I did buy that.
0: I'd like to borrow that for the the Halloween season. I've listen. I watched the Nightmare Before Christmas last night because I
1: was <laughs> getting excited for Halloween, which is several months away. Which I did not realize that Carrie was his first book. I don't know what I thought his first book was, but yeah, turns out it's Carrie. I kind of want to read Pet Cemetery next. I've never read it. Have you read that? i have not um i've read a
0: decent amount of it but it's so freaking long i've never made it all the way through
1: all of his books are long yeah carrie's pretty short which i like pet cemetery is short ish have you ever seen how long under the dome is yeah yeah it's ridiculous and his um what is it called the
0: the tower the dark tower series they're all like a thousand pages and there's like 10 of those books
1: well it when under the dome the show came out i don't know if you ever watched it it was like there's like a series and it was good but they canceled it because you know like stephen king books a lot of times they'll be they're going good they're going good and then all of a sudden it switches into this sci-fi thing at the end and you're like where did this come from anyways under the dome they canceled it before it got all sci-fi really but my mom decided that while we were watching the series she was gonna read the book so one day she comes home with the book from the library uh and it literally it was so thick i don't think she read any of it because i guess what she got to the library i don't know why she thought she was gonna read it once she picked it up i was like ain't nobody reading this shit if you've ever read under the dome contact me i'd like to know what's going on in your head are you okay
0: I never read it, but Under the Dome was filmed
1: in Wilmington where I'm from. So Oh yeah. Yeah. When did I, I yeah, the last time I was in Wilmington at the uh, the cotton exchange mm-hmm. yeah. said it. They had like a picture of it there saying it was like filmed there. Not to brag. Kinda famous. <laughs> Anyways. But this is not Under the Dome fanfic. <laughs> no, it is
0: not. This is your story. What is your story for this week?
1: My story. Now, my story is in no way fun. It is sad all around. Um, It's just sad. I'm not going to
0: lie. Oh, okay. Well, uh, thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.
1: <laughs> but, like, I started reading about it, and I was like, it was interesting, but, but it was also sad. But, luckily, it's not terribly long, so I won't... Um, you know, hold you hostage for too long. Thank God. But I'm doing mine on a girl. Now she's a woman, but she was a girl at the time of the story. Christine Falling. So, my sources. Wikipedia.com. Deadlywomen.fandom.com. And Murderpedia.org. Uh, the Christine Falling page. So, Christine Laverne Falling was born in Perry, Florida on March 12th, 1963. And her family was pretty unusual from the start because her father, Thomas, was 65, uh, but her mother, Anne, was only 16. So quite an age gap. Mm-hmm. So Christine grew up in poverty and she didn't receive the necessary support that a child needs during like early childhood development. And because of this, she um, was considered mentally challenged and she also suffered from epilepsy. And as a child, her parents couldn't really afford to take care of her. And so she ended up popping in and out of orphanages around the area. And basically, her family would always argue even when she was home. And so she just did not have a good home life at all. Like, no matter how you slice it, it was bad. Because of all of this, uh, not surprisingly, Christine had some pent-up anger. Uh, And she was, you know, had some insecurities and at an early age, she began to take out this anger on small animals, and she would kill them. Many of which were cats. Oh. Uh, she, she, she would drop them from tall heights, um, and she said she was trying to quote test their nine lives. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm not. Now, I did not kill cats, but when I was little. I knew that if you dropped a cat, it would land on its feet, and so I told that to my cousin. One day, we took my grandma's cat, Tiger, up to the top of the treehouse, or the playground treehouse, and she decided we were going to drop the cat because we were like, there ain't no way it's going to land on its feet. It didn't land on its feet. It fell on its back. It got real pissed off and ran away. So, you know, that is not that that's good, but, like, the fact that she was kind of just, like, dropping them, it did say she suffocated some of them. But if you're a child that's, like, you know, not fully your, like, mental capacity, I don't know. It makes sense to me, but it's not good. It's not good. But I could see why a child would be like, people say cats have nine lives. Is it true? Mm Mm-hmm. Especially if you don't have parents, to be like, no, it's not. Don't f- fucking do that. Yeah, you grew up in the country, so no one was watching you. You were just running free. <laughs> Honestly, people, I've heard people talk about, like, you know, during, like, today, no one would ever let their kids just be by themselves like they were in the 70s. And I'm like, ma'am, you obviously didn't grow up in the country because I was pretty much a free-range child. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, they couldn't do that. I lived in the city, so we had to be watched. People were just snatching kids left and right. But yeah, in the country, yeah, yeah. who's gonna come to the country to snatch a kid? There's so many in the city.
1: There's more. You just gotta worry about animals more, I would feel like. Like a raccoon coming and trying to, I don't know, befriend you, and then scratching your <laughs> eyeballs out. I, I was beat up by a raccoon. <laughs> 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 Okay. So, in September of 1977, when Christine was just 14 years old, you know, she still had some, like, contact with her parents because she was kind of in and out of orphanages. Her parents forced her to get married, and they forced her to marry a 20-year-old man named Goober Falling. Oh, God. Goober? hmm But the marriage was not good. The two fought pretty much every single day. And they ended up getting a divorce after just six weeks. So, y'all yeah, not really know how all that went down. Uh, why, Did they uh, say yeah. why she had to get married? Like, no. Uh, I don't know. I'm wondering if it was like a money thing, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That's weird. Maybe they were hoping they could pawn her off on somebody who could like, you know, pay for her. Maybe they were like, we don't want you to be in an orphanage, but we also can't afford to take care of you. I really couldn't say. Yeah, that's uh, But following the divorce, Christine got really sick, and over the next two years, she was hospitalized around 50 times. Her sickness included some hallucinations. She said she would also see red dots that would, like, you know, like, before. I picture it as before you get a migraine, you know how you see, like, dots? Mm-hmm. She, but she said she would see red dots, And she also had irregular menstrual bleeding. But it's noted that when she would go to the doctor, she would tell them what was going on. But they would rarely find anything that was actually wrong with her that could actually be treated. And so they think she was actually suffering from, like, hypochondria. Um, But then, remember, at this point, she's, like, a young child. She's still only, like, 14, 15. And at the age of just 16, she was deemed... uh, incapacitated on medical instructions which is basically like she basically she can't you know like live by herself like she needs somebody to like you know be there with her and so at this point she couldn't really make money for herself because she couldn't have a typical job because of these like medical instructions so she ended up being a babysitter for you know like neighbors and friends. Um, And so on February 25th, 1980, Christine was babysitting a two-year-old girl named Cassidy Johnson. And on that day, the girl had to be taken to the doctor in Bluntstown, Florida, and she ended up being diagnosed with meningitis that was caused by a traumatic brain injury. And just three days later, on February 28th, the girl died from internal injuries. And when they conducted an autopsy, it was determined that the cause of the injury that led to the death was blunt force trauma to the skull. So Christine was the last, was the person who was watching Cassidy on the day she had to go to the doctor. So they asked her, they were like, hey, you know, what happened? And Christine said that while she was babysitting Cassidy, Cassidy had passed out and fallen out of her crib and hit her head. Now, one of the doctors, like, involved in this whole thing, they didn't quite believe the story, and they wrote a note that was supposed to go to the police telling them that the police needed to check into Christine some more uh, because they didn't really trust her story. But the note ended up getting lost on the way to the police department, and the case was closed. So, shortly shortly after Cassidy's death, Christine moved, and she ended up moving to Lakeland, Florida. About two months after she moved, she was babysitting a boy named Jeffrey Davis. He was about four years old. And while under Christine's care, Jeffrey died. And the autopsy stated that his cause of death was myocarditis, which is a heart problem that's generally classified as inflammation of the heart muscle. Uh, And it can cause issues, but it's rarely fatal. Like, I think I've read that, like, boys, like younger boys, can suffer from this. And it will cause problems, but you usually don't die from it. And the doctors were skeptical that this was the only cause of Jeffrey's death. Um, And they asked Christine again. They were like, you know, what was happening while you were watching him? And she just said that while she was watching Jeffrey, he had, quote, just stopped breathing. So, like, at this point, I don't know. People are kind of just thinking it's, like, you know, wrong place, wrong time with Christine. Like, it's just it's not good luck. But three days after Jeffrey passed away, his family attended his funeral, and they asked Christine to babysit one of Jeffrey's younger cousins who was only two years old. And his name was Joseph, because I guess they didn't want to take him to the funeral, so they were like, Hey, Christine, can you watch Joseph while we go to the funeral? But that afternoon, Joseph died in his crib while he was napping. And when the doctors examined Joseph, they noted that he did have a viral infection that may have killed him, And they thought, well, maybe that also could have led to Jeffrey's death as well. Maybe the two, you know, gave it to each other. But then in the summer of 1981, Christine decided that she was going to stop babysitting. You know, it wasn't going well. Uh, So she was going to move back to her hometown of Perry, Florida. And she began working as an assistant to senior citizens. So she switched from young people to old people uh but on her first day of work she was caring for wilbur swindle who was 77 and while christine was there he died in his kitchen um so she said you know what she's just people are thinking this is real bad like this is real unlucky she's a very unlucky lady however death just kept following christine because in the fall of that same year christine's half sister's eight-month-old daughter died after receiving some standard vaccinations. They'd gone to the hospital and on the way, no, sorry, not the hospital. They'd gone to the doctor's office and on the way home from the doctor's office, the stepsister was going to stop by the store to go in and grab some stuff and Christine was watching the baby in the car. Uh, When the stepsister returned, though, the baby had stopped breathing and the doctor suspected that the baby had died of sudden infant death syndrome. And if you don't know what that is, there's not really much of an explanation for it. It's basically what they will describe it as if just, like, a what you would think is a healthy baby. Sometimes they just die, and that's what they call it, which has always confused me. I don't know. This scares me.
0: Yeah, that that would scare the shit out of me. Um, also because the thought of just, your kid, you could just die for no reason. Mm-hmm. And you, it, like, it's nothing. nothing you can do.
1: I don't know what age, you know, they have to get to, to where maybe you don't have to worry about it. I don't know. It's weird. Um, but up, like I said, up until this point, people just considered Christine to be incredibly unlucky. Because she's been around all these people that are dying. Uh, but on July 19, in July of 1982, this changed. Uh, because on this day, Travis Coleman, who was 10 weeks old, he was just 10 weeks old, died in the care of Christine When they conducted an autopsy on Travis, it revealed that he had internal ruptures that were caused by suffocation. So when this was discovered, Christine was taken in and questioned. And during the questioning, she admitted to killing three of the children she had babysat by, quote, smotheration. She said that she would press a blanket over the children's faces in response to voices that she would hear chanting, kill the baby. Which that's, whew. And she said, quote, I don't know why I done what I done. The way I done it, I seen it done on a TV show. I had my own way, though. Simple and easy. No one would hear them scream. So just terrible. hmm Uh, And based on her confession to the murders, Christine was sentenced to life in prison in December of 1982 at the age of just 19. And because she confessed, she was able to avoid the death penalty. In the end, she was only found guilty of three murders, but she most likely likely killed about five to six people. Um, All of them were children except for the old man. Um, And after she served 25 years of her sentence, she was eligible for parole, but her application was denied after being reviewed by the parole board in November of 2017, and she will be given another hearing in seven years. Today, she is still in prison in the Homestead Correctional Institution in Homestead, Florida, and to this day, it's still unknown why she did what she did but clearly she was suffering with some pretty bad mental illness mm-hmm. even though she was never classified as legally insane based on her statement about hearing voices she possibly in my own opinion that is not scientific and or backed by research seems like she may have had schizophrenia mixed with some other things but that is the story of Christine falling sad no matter how you slice it, it's sad because she clearly had, a you know, a bad life. And I don't think, like, I don't think she was, I don't know, I don't think she was trying to, like, be a terrible person. I just think it was bad circumstances all the way around. Yeah, that's really, um, that's a lot. That was terrible. <laughs> um, thank
0: you for that. She's known as for the that. babysitter
1: killer they gave her a name which i'm like usually when they give somebody a name it's like i don't know it's never been quite that just like oh that's a bummer
0: yeah i that also makes you think of like the nurses that are like the the angels Uh of death that's what really what it makes you think of yeah
1: yeah i think it will be less sad to me if she hadn't have had just And I usually find no sympathy with a killer, but she was so young and, I don't know, if you look up pictures of her, it's just sad. I don't know, the whole thing's sad. Welcome to a sad Friday morning, everybody. That's when you're listening to (laughs) this.
0: You know, we're gonna, Uh, you know, it's the end of the week, but we're just gonna continue to be sad.
1: This wow. was City's theme idea, and she made me go to Florida, and we know how I feel about Florida, so it was bound to happen. I did this on purpose, so mm-hmm. you'll never make me have to go to Florida again, well, even gonna,
0: in research. I'm gonna probably still do it, because I love Florida so passionately. Um,
1: <laughs> and- Hi guys, I'm Amy. And I'm Kenzie. And we are the hosts of the new true crime podcast, Sheer Crime. We are old beauty school friends who reconnected a decade later to learn that not only did we now live in the same town, but we are both true crime fanatics. Every week, in the comfort of my basement, cold drinks in hand, we discuss true crime documentaries and give our raw and uncensored take on the evil acts that occur in our world. If COVID, quarantine, and working from home have you aching for a break from the same old, same old, come hang with us on Share Crime. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else that you subscribe and listen. New episodes are released every Wednesday and bonus episodes are sprinkled in here and there. We can't wait to hear from you. And remember, never run with scissors. Bye. Bye.
0: We're just going to continue on with the Florida theme and very on brand. As I said at the beginning of the episode, I went to Miami Beach, Florida this past week. My first time. I was first timer. Uh, And, you know, going with that theme, I will be doing my story this week on uh, Andrew Kunanen, who you may know as the man who shot Gianni Versace. I knew you was going to do this. You didn't tell me, but I had a feeling. Well, you probably saw my Instagram post. I, you know, spoilers. I ate lunch at the Versace mansion. That was one of the whole reasons I wanted to go to Miami. Also, I got a really good deal on the hotel room. But (laughs) I was like, you know, I need to just go. I just need to go somewhere. And I was like, oh, that would be cool. I could go. And I picked out a hotel that was closed Within walking distance of the Versace mansion, because I was like, I gotta go. You know, if you love true crime, you know you gotta go and see, you know, a spot. Like, if I ever go to L.A., I'm gonna have to go to where the, the Black Dahlia was found. Yeah. Also, there's so much true crime in L.A. Hey,
1: so. let's go by the Cecil Hotel and just really fuck ourselves over.
0: Oh, yeah, also it's in Skid Row, so that ought to be great. Two tourists that don't know where they are, what could possibly go wrong. I
1: had a dream we stayed at the Cecil Hotel. Me and you and Brandon and Polly were staying at the Cecil hotel, and it was a horrifying dream. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, yeah, I would imagine
0: all four people in one hotel room all sharing the same bathroom. <laughs> God. Yeah, but, and it already yeah, smells so. like shit there I'm sure I've heard that the water is terrible I've heard
1: it's all terrible anyways
0: Anyways, so my sources I only have two I have Wikipedia both the Andrew kunanen page and the uh, Gianni Versace page and uh, real crime on YouTube it was a documentary on the whole ordeal so if you want to look up the documentary with something like the man who killed Gianni Versace, you know it was a real original. If you just look up something along those lines, it'll come up. So, in night, let me paint you a picture of what Miami. So, for those of you who don't know, there's Miami and there's Miami Beach. Miami is like the downtown area. Miami Beach is what everyone thinks about. Like when you, it's what Will Smith was singing about, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh. So. In 1997, Miami was in sort of a renaissance, like Miami Beach was really becoming a popular tourist destination, uh, and because before it just kind of was like a cheap place to go, but it it started to have more culture and fashion, uh, and it was really a place where people could go party and be, like, free with their sexuality, Uh, so, you know, life's good in Miami Beach, but the morning of July 15th, 1997, world renowned fashion designer Gianni Versace woke up and walked to the local newsstand. It was a news cafe and he walked from his home on Ocean Boulevard to the local news cafe to pick up an Italian newspaper because he was originally from Italy. And uh, when he arrived home, he was walking up the stairs and he hadn't been able to open his gate just yet because he, you know, being rich, you have a nice big gate in front of your house. So he was in the process of opening his gate when a man named Andrew Kunanen walked up behind him and shot him twice. Now, who is Andrew Kunanen And also, I may be pronouncing it correctly. It could be Kunanen I've also heard it pronounced Cunanan. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast enough, you know I will butcher any word you give me. So I feel Andrew, like Kunanen sounds better. Yeah. It rolls off the tongue a little bit better. So, Andrew Kunanen was born on August 31st, 1969. Andrew grew up in a modest home in San Diego, and his mother was very religious, and at an early age, Andrew was known to be well-spoken, and into his teen years, developed the reputation of being a prolific liar so he also was sent to a private school despite the fact that his family was you know pretty middle class he went to a a fancy school i guess because they thought that he was going to be the most successful out of the family uh and because he wanted his uh schoolmates to think that he was very wealthy he kind of spun the truth about like what his father did you know where his parents come from so he kind of like wanted to build this image and so he got this reputation of bending the truth and being very good with speaking his way out of things and actually when he graduated high school he was voted most likely uh to not be forgotten <laughs> so mm. i don't and- know that's
1: like a backhanded compliment yep <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, so, upon graduating, he enrolled in the University of San Diego to study American history, and in college, Andrew really began to kind of experiment with his sexuality, he began to frequent gay clubs in the area, which caused a big strain on his relationship with his mother, uh, who was very religious, uh, and he actually, I guess they had gotten into a verbal dispute, and at one point he had thrown her up against a wall and actually like dislocated her shoulder. So he already was showing a bit of mm. violence in his behavior. And Andrew was also a bit of a social climber. Uh, and in later examinations, his behavior indicated that he may have suffered from antisocial personality disorder, Based off the fact that he really didn't seem to have much remorse or empathy. And he would often enter into relationships with older men who would fund his lavish lifestyle. And nowadays we would just call them sugar daddies. But essentially he would hang out with these older men and he didn't have to work. He didn't have to pay for anything. They would just pay for everything for him. And so he would get to party and do drugs Uh, And also, it's reported that he would star in violent porn. I'm not sure if that is true, Mm -hmm. but that is what has been stated, is that he also made his money um, starring in adult films of a violent nature. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: He also, throughout this time, acted under a couple different aliases, because, again, he's a liar. He's kind of a con artist. He would go by... Andrew Salivia, uh Andy Cummings, Drew Cunningham, and Kurt Matthew Damaris.
1: Now that one is not even close to anything else. <laughs> the other one was for like a play on his real name, and the last one was just like, I'm gonna go by Kurt. Thanks. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I don't know if maybe his middle name
0: was Curtis or something, but he was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to be different. Kurt
1: Cunningham. So. Sounds like uh, a porn name.
0: Yeah. it. You know, it could have been. Could have been for his adult film career, but Cunningham. So, allegedly in October 1990, and met Gianni Versace in San Francisco, but Versace's family denies that the two ever met. But, the story is that Versace was in town because he had designed some costumes for the San Francisco Opera. And there was a costume fitting, so he had to go in and, you know, be there for that. So, Cunanan was obsessed with Versace and often bragged that they had a close friendship. However, not much can be believed because he often would fabricate stories that he had met celebrities... However, in 2008, Maureen Orth published an article in Vanity Fair reporting that Cunanan and Versace had met briefly at a San Francisco nightclub in 1990, according to several eyewitness claims. And they definitely would have interacted on further occasions because both were involved in sex-for-hire circles within Miami and San Francisco. And... Interesting according to wikipedia the fbi in some regard did believe that maybe andrew and versace had met at one point you know they weren't complete strangers but maybe not necessarily that they had a relationship
1: you know now i I do have a question i don't know much about versace was he was he a gay man
0: or no, He was. And we can kind of touch on that a little bit, but we can also touch on it now. So, he was openly gay, which was, I felt like, pretty taboo at that point. It was the mid-90s. We were kind of coming out of the AIDS pandemic. But he was
1: yeah.
0: openly gay, but for the most part was pretty accepted could be, like within society because, of course, he is this amazing fashion designer. He was rich and famous, but, yes, he was an opening
1: league gay man. My next question that you may or may not know. There's a woman with the last name Versace. Mm-hmm. Her first name. Is it what, Donatella? Do you know? Yes. Are they siblings? Or... Yes, that is his sister. Oh, okay. So, I thought that. Th- I don't know much about this, clearly. So, I thought they were married. And so, that's why I asked that. Because I was like. That's why I was curious if he was, like, married, but he was, like, trying to, like, do this on the side, but that makes more sense. Yes. So he and Donatello, or Donatello, excuse me,
0: uh, were sister and brother, and uh, Uh, I believe Donatello is, like, took over the Versace in, like, company after his passing,
1: but makes sense the picture the picture that i saw that when i pulled up a picture just to look at him on uh google the picture that i saw they look like they were dating or married um because of the way they're posed but have you ever seen that page on instagram where it's like dating or siblings yes it really reminds it, it, <laughs> that picture could be on there <laughs>
0: If only. Well, if you know anything about pop culture, you would know that. But Taylor does not know anything about pop culture. I don't. So
1: just... uh, s- 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 somebody on RuPaul's Drag Race was uh, Donatella Versace, um, like during snatch game on one season. Uh, and yeah, I didn't really know anything about her. Clearly, no.
0: Clearly, you did not. But yes. Uh, so back to back to murder. So. <laughs> yeah. In 1996, Cunanan began dating David Madison, who was an architect from Minneapolis. And they started a long-distance relationship, but David broke it off in spring of 1996, telling friends that he sensed something, quote, shady about Andrew. And But Andrew would continue to tell all of his friends that David was the love of his life. So, in April 27, 1997... Kunanen uh, traveled to Minneapolis I guess to visit David uh, and kind of reconcile their relationship um, but Kunanin ended up getting into a argument with Jeffrey Trail who was a man who was actually friends with Andrew Kunanen, but had entered into a relationship with David Madison and Andrew would end up beating Jeffrey with a hammer in front of David and then wrapped Jeffrey's body in a rug and placed it behind the couch.
1: Oh, God.
0: Yeah. And it's believed that Andrew held David inside that apartment with Jeffrey's body for about two days after the murder. And during this time, the two were seen by witnesses in the building's elevator and walking madison's dog so some speculate like was david an accomplice of andrew's uh but andrew's fam sorry but david's family uh pretty is firm on the fact that they believe that david was more being held hostage by andrew and on April 29th, one of David's coworkers was concerned because he hadn't shown up for work. So he visited his apartment to check on him. And when he got there, he found Jeffrey's body. And on May 2nd, uh, David and Andrew were seen just north of Minneapolis, driving in David's Jeep and eating lunch together in a bar. Then the following morning, so May 3rd, David's body was found on the east shore of Rush Lake near Rush City, Minnesota, with a gunshot wound to his head and back from a 40 caliber Taurus PT-100 semi-automatic pistol that belonged to Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. Are we following? I feel like that was a lot of information. Very technical Mm -hmm. word on what
1: kind of gun it was. (laughs) Pistol. (laughs) Semi-automatic. I don't know what that means. So. Uh,
0: I know it's, what pistol beans, but. It was a gun. <laughs> so. He has a gun. Uh, now, on May 4th, Kunanen drove to Chicago, Illinois, and visited the home of 72-year-old Lee Miglin, who was a prominent real estate developer in the area. And Andrew would bound Lee's hands and feet and wrap his head with duct tape then stab him more than 20 times with a screwdriver before splitting, sorry, slitting his throat with a hacksaw and then stealing his car. Did he know this person? Well, it's good that you ask because the motive behind Lee's murder is fairly unknown. Uh, Lee's family denies that you know he ever met or knew kudanen but the fbi finds it very unlikely that andrew would you know pick a random man in chicago drive you know drive all the way to chicago for this random man and kill him in such a violent manner because it really seems like such a personal way to kill someone yeah they always say that yes stabbing is like one of the most personal ways yeah now Uh, In the Ryan Murphy show, which is the assassination of Gianni Versace, and if you haven't ever watched it, it is very good. I do recommend. Uh, They sort of hint that maybe Andrew and Lee had been linked romantically, which I feel like is not too far-fetched because we already knew that Andrew enjoyed hanging around wealthy older men. So it could be that, you know, they knew each other from, you know, some sort of romantic relationship um but you know there's no evidence to support that it's all just speculation
1: yeah the fact that he was like a rich guy and that was like a type of person that andrew was into that's why i feel like it probably wasn't random because if it was random then he really probably would have just picked like a rando person Mm -hmm. like anywhere
0: so Uh, investigators discovered that Lee's car was equipped with a car phone, which was activated on May 4th in Union County, Pennsylvania. And from there, authorities began monitoring the phone activity and found that it was activated on May 8th in Philadelphia and May 9th in Penn Groves and Kearney Point Township, New Jersey. So at this point, they're able to kind of track where Andrew's headed because... He just basically keeps using the fucking phone. (laughs) Dang, a car phone. God. I remember my aunt had a car phone in the early 2000s, and I thought that was the future. (laughs) I, because I I didn't know anybody who had a car phone. Like, why the hell would you have a car phone? It was like 2001, and I was like, oh my God, this is the height of luxury. (laughs) No, I don't remember anybody in my family having a car phone. I don't know, I can't remember why she had it. I don't know if, like, she bought her car used, did it came with it? I don't know. But I was like, wow, this is it. Because, like, everyone else, like, I feel like when I think of people with car phones, I think of, you know, wealthy finance people, like, whatever. But, yeah, my might yeah. that one. Aunt Sonia, if you're listening, mm. I thought that was the dopest thing. <laughs> her car phone. Your car phone. <laughs> but she lived out in the country so you could never get freaking reception so like what was the point what was the point now now on may 9th in uh pensville township new jersey at finpoint national cemetery kunanan shot and killed 45 year old caretaker william reese later that day when reese did not return home for dinner his wife visited the cemetery to check on him and found the caretaker's office door ajar, with the radio still playing. So she thought this was odd, so she calls the police, and police arrive and find that William had been shot in the head by the same pistol Cunanan had used to kill David. And it's believed that Cunanan murdered William for his car, which he then used to drive to Florida. So, that one was really, I just feel like, a crime of convenience. Which... yeah, That... I feel like I mean this whole story's sad, but that really made me sad cuz this poor man is just working, he's minding his business, his wife's waiting for him to come home and have dinner and this fucker oh just God. comes and kills him for a, a
1: car, a car. Seriously? Like you got to mm. kill somebody for a car? They would probably just give it to you. If somebody said, "Give me your car" and they had a gun, I'll be like, "Here, take it." Take it. I don't need take it. Take it. It's got it, it. The tank's on E, anyways. Like you gonna have to fill it's her up. Got over a hundred thousand miles on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got full coverage insurance. Fucking take her. I'll get a new one.
1: Yeah, I'll get a new one. That Subie ain't worth it to me. It's got a crack in the windshield, anyways. I Nation- a crack in the windshield. I'm
0: Nationwide's going to gonna be all over your ass <laughs> when they hear that you stole my car. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So, on May 12th, Kunanan checked into the Normandy pa- uh, Plaza Hotel in Miami Beach, Florida where he paid $29 a night in cash. And on June 12th, he was then listed on the FBI's most wanted fugitive list but was still able to hide in plain sight for more than two months. And I feel like it was just because, oh. like, like, everyone knew that this man was out there, but like, I don't think, like, you never suspect that it's going to be in your town. Like, who, Well, the last person he killed was in New Jersey. Surely he's not going to come to Miami Beach. That's so random. That's literally all the way at the bottom of the United States. Like, I wouldn't think about it. So, uh, Kunanen used his own name to pawn a piece of gold that he had stolen from Lee Miglin's home. And he pawned it on July 7th. Despite the fact that police routinely reviewed pawn shop records, because I guess anytime you pawn something, you have to show ID and whatnot, and then the pawn shop has to report that to the police. So I guess the police had done that, like they always do, and it just sat on somebody's desk in the police, you know, the police precinct, I guess, and just... You know, no one ever looked at it, and then it was one of those things they looked at in hindsight, was like, oh, shit, we could have got him. Damn. So, that's, you always do your paperwork. So, on yeah. July 14th, Kornanen checked out of his hotel without paying for his last night there, um, and this brings us to the day of July 15th. So, Gianni Versace had just arrived home around 8.45 a.m., And was standing on his front steps with his newspaper in his hand when Kunanen walked up behind him and shot him once in the back of the head and once in the left cheek before running away. Police searched for Kunanen in a nearby parking deck where witnesses had reported seeing him flee to. Where once they got inside the parking deck, they found... William Reese's car along with Cunanan's clothes and newspaper clippings of all of the murders up until that point. So, you know, they were pretty like, sure, like, it's, it's him. It's our guy. So at this point, the entire town of Miami beach was shut down. People are looking for this killer. They basically, cause Miami beach is like an Island. I guess they, I'm assuming they just like shut down the bridge. Uh, and wouldn't let you on and people are freaking out because no one was really sure like what his motives were because like it was kind of erratic who he was killing and he had killed Versace and who was famous and so everyone was freaking out and they they weren't sure if he was going to kill again and he had already killed three gay men so people in the you know the gay community were really worried that he was specifically targeting people who were gay, and so, you know, people were really freaking out. Like, people didn't leave their house until, you know, things got sorted out. And on July 23rd, 1997, a caretaker of a boat harbor went to check out a vacant houseboat because so I guess, like, the owners were out of town, and so he was, like, house-sitting. Uh, so, whenever he entered the house, he found Andrew Cunanan, who had been hiding out in the home for several days... And the caretaker went to go contact the police when he heard a gunshot. So, police got to the home very quickly. And as, pretty much as soon as the police arrived, so did a hundred other people. There's news, like, reporters, locals, you know. Everyone's like, this is him. He's in this house. It's, we're about to have a standoff. Things are crazy. Oh, God. So, people are waiting outside for Andrew to be taken into custody. However, when police entered the home they discovered that the gunshot was not that Andrew had shot at the caretaker, but rather he had shot himself in the head and had died from a single gunshot wound to the temple. Oh God. Yep. So that is pretty much where the story ends, because there's no there was no trial. I mean mm-hmm. and there's no real like there's no motive, really. I mean I feel like the first two murders, a crime of passion. He was upset because his ex-boyfriend had found someone new, you know. The third one, I feel like he was just targeting this rich older man. Maybe he envied him. Um, And then Versace's murder, a lot of people speculate that basically Versace was everything that Andrew wanted to be. He was wealthy, well-liked, like, openly gay and famous, successful. Basically everything that Andrew wanted to be but wasn't. Because, like, he just hadn't made, like, he hadn't worked his way up to that. He just kind of was, like, I don't know, mooching off of people, essentially. So, I think...
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't just, like... All of a sudden be successful. I mean, Versace, like, he did something. You know? Yeah. <laughs> this is true. He did do
0: it. He did a lot. But, yeah, that is the story of Andrew Cunanan, uh the murder of Gianni Versace, yeah, David Madison, Jeffrey,
1: and William Reese. Dang. I have not watched the show on Netflix, um, but now I think I'm going to have to. It's pretty good. I'll give it to you. Um, I
0: enjoyed the one on the O.J. Simpson trial a little bit more, but the the Versace one is pretty good. It's definitely one of those shows I kind of watch when I'm cooking dinner or something, you know? Mm -hmm. But, like... It's it's well done. You can tell they do really good research, and the acting's pretty good. But I would recommend it's on Netflix if anybody wants to
1: watch it. I'll watch it. It's got the guy from Glee in it.
0: It does, and it has like everybody who's was in American Horror Story.
1: So, mm. well, thank you for that story. I yeah. clearly don't know anything about pop culture because I didn't I didn't know much about. Uh, Versace in his life. God. How dare you. Which I feel like that's more fashion. I guess it's pop culture, but it's also fashion. And I'm clearly don't know shit about fashion. Yes, we can tell. <laughs> but this is like related and not related. I watched uh, this show on Paramount Plus that I would recommend. It's called Why Women Kill. There's Ooh. two seasons apparently um the first season I thought there was only one season and so when I kept seeing the commercials or whatever for it I was like when I started watching I was like this is not what they advertise but turns out there's two seasons but the first season it's like takes place in like the 1960s the 1980s and 2019 and it's like all in this same house it's interesting if you like uh it's got like um I don't know like a marvelous Mrs. Maisel vibe but a totally different type of show if that makes any sense I don't know yes. how to explain it if you got Paramount Plus just watch it I liked it I enjoyed it uh, I finished the first season so I... I'll add
0: it to the list of things I have to watch mm-hmm. but uh, uh, what's my... our theme for next week
1: is Folklores from Far Away yes yes that can be anything you can interpret that however you would like I will okay I don't know what I'm gonna do it's gonna be interesting I feel like we've done murders these past couple weeks so I'm excited to do something that's not totally sad and terrible I already know what I'm gonna do Uh,
0: I already put it in the Google Doc so you can't take it you cannot steal my
1: idea I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna figure it out soon. Uh, let's see. Follow us on Instagram at Gonna Sound weird Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Gonna Sound Weird. I don't know why you would do that, but you can. Follow us on TikTok. Uh, f- join our Facebook page. That would be fun. Tell your friends about us, please. That's the best way. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Yeah. If you don't have uh, a friend, if you don't have friends, tell a stranger. Tell your dog. <laughs> yeah, tell a stranger. Uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, please. That would be great. Five stars, preferably. Um, you know, say something nice if you want to. But if you don't want to say anything, you can at least just give a five star. You know, if you're shy and you don't want to put your thoughts out onto the Googleverse. Yeah. If you don't have any thoughts, at least you can just give us the stars. It's the
0: least yep. you can do. Yeah,
1: we bring you this. Quality content every single week, <laughs> and it's, you can't even click five stars. Jeez, God, giving my heart
0: and soul to this. <laughs> anyway, right, so, but I think is that, that is that is it for us this week.
1: All right. Well, I'm gonna say it. Stay weird. <laughs> oh,
0: okay i normally say it but all right that's fine <laughs> i
1: stole it all right goodbye
0: bye